0: In John chapter 9 this morning. So, Jesus, uh, as we come into John 9, he is walking about the city of Jerusalem somewhere near the pool of Siloam, which some of us have actually gotten to be there and see that before. But he's walking around and he comes across a blind man. Uh, actually, more than that, a man who had been blind from birth. And uh, I have a real problem. I, th- I think we all, probably all do. Uh, kind of imagining what that would be like, um, because blind from birth, the man lived with no visual reference. He had never seen anything, so you've got to even imagine or try to kind of imagine. But it's impossible. Even his dreams at night, as he's asleep, it was it was sound. It was it was smell. It, it wasn't. He he didn't have. He didn't know what an image was. And so there he is, blind from. Birth. The disciples felt pity for this guy. I don't know how you could pass by somebody in this state and not feel your heartstrings being tugged. And so they jumped to the, the question why? Why? Why would God let this happen? Another step. Maybe he sinned. Maybe this is some sort of punishment. So, so did, did he sin? They asked Jesus. Did his parents sin as a result of their iniquity that this man was born in this state? And and Jesus says, gentlemen, the why question is off base. This, This blindness is not a payment for some sort of sin, for some sort of wrongdoing. This situation is in front of us for the glory of God. This is an opportunity for people to witness the work of God. And so Jesus, he, he, he spat on the soil there, scooped up a little of this dirt, wiped it and spread this mud, smeared this mud across this guy's eyes and simply told him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent, scent, scent. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Interesting to me, Jesus doesn't even, if you pay attention to the text, Jesus doesn't even stick around to see the after picture, to see this man sighted. Jesus heads off. He says, I've got work to do, verse 4. We must act quickly. We are busy about the Lord's work. And so as the water washes the mud away, the man has the first time ever sensation. He can see. World floods with lights and color and, and motion gifted to him by this Jesus who has disappeared at this point. And you kind of get the idea if you read the story closely, you get the idea he must have been pretty popular, at least well known, because everybody around there starts talking. They're looking at him, and, and the neighbors and the folks around there are commenting, This guy looks familiar. He, he looks like that blind beggar who we used to talk with all the time and Really nice guy, but it, it can't be him obviously because this person has sight and he's like no. No, it's me It is me. I Was that blind beggar, but now I can see Another happy ending eh, Not so fast Jesus once again chose to heal on the Sabbath day. And once again, the Pharisees have got a problem with that. They bring the healed man. I mean, just think about this. They bring this healed man in for interrogation. They bombard him with questions. How questions? What questions? Who questions? Who did this question? And the Pharisees then, after their questions, they began to make pronouncements. The Pharisees loved to do a lot of pronouncing. Jesus isn't from God. We know this because He healed on the Sabbath. Godly people would not work on the Sabbath, verse 16. Now, to be fair... Other Pharisees weren't quite so sure. They were asking, but how could a sinner perform so obvious a miracle? And so the group was was divided. They they turned their attention back to this ex-blind man. They said, what do you think? What is your opinion of this man, Jesus? Verse 17... Uh, I think he's a prophet? (laughs) Verse 19, more questions. And we find that the Jewish leaders here are refusing to believe that the man had even been born to start with. Ah. Now in chapter 9, we begin to see a different kind of blindness. There are those who refuse to see. Bring his parents in. And so they go and round up this guy's parents. Hey mom, hey dad, is this your son? Well, yes. Was he born blind? Yeah, he was born blind. Okay, then explain to us how. The how question. Explain to us how exactly he came to see. Mom and dad are really put on the spot here. These same religious leaders who have who have brought them in for questioning have made their position very clear with all of their pronouncing. Anyone supporting Jesus, anyone indicating that He might be the Messiah will be banned from the synagogue. You promote Jesus, you get blacklisted instantly instantly you become an outcast usually you had to work to become an outcast a little bit but no if you supported jesus instant you got fast-tracked your application went right through outcast all right so mom and dad they tread lightly how was he healed um well he's our son and he was born blind but as to how he was healed we can't speak. You can, you can ask our son. He's of age. He's an adult. And so the leadership brings this man back in for round two of questioning. Hey buddy, verse 24. Hey buddy, God deserves the glory if you were healed. Praise God. Don't praise this Jesus character. He's a sinner hard to keep up with all the pronouncing. Well, verse 25, I, I, I just don't know whether or not he is a sinner. Here's what I do know. I was blind. Now I can see. Then rapid fire, staccato questions from the Pharisees, angry questions, what questions, how questions, what did he do? How did he heal you, they ask. I really love this guy, by the way. I think of all of the people Jesus healed, this guy is my favorite. I just love this guy because he doesn't wilt under this questioning from these authorities. He bows up, look guys, I already told you, weren't you paying attention? (laughs) You want to hear it again? And he actually says this, you want to hear it again? Maybe you, too, want to become disciples of Jesus. I imagine him smiling at this point. I don't know, but... Maybe you, too, want to become disciples of Jesus, Pharisees. Oh, boy. Their blood was boiling. They lash out. They begin pouring out venomous curses. Verse 28. And just kind of let this sink in. I just had to sit back and think about this this week. My goodness. I mean, what a day for this man. It was on this day. It was today that he was healed. Today that he saw for the first time. And these religious people, these religious people, they aren't high-fiving him. (laughs) They're not congratulating him. They're not smiling. They're not happy for him. Their eyes aren't welling up with with tears of gratitude for this man's miracle. They're not shouting, Hallelujah, praise God, he can see. No. They curse him. The English Standard Version says they reviled him. We don't even know where this Jesus comes from they said the prisoner continues to bring the wood did I say I love this guy here he goes again verses 30 to 33 that's weird Rabbi Jesus has been walking around town healing all sorts of people performing signs and wonders undeniably the power of God is at work through this man and you don't even know where he comes from that's rich Pharisees Let me tell you something. You like proclamations. Okay, here's some proclamations for you. He healed me. God does not do the bidding of sinners, but He does listen to people like Jesus. People who worship Him. People who love like God loves. Verse 32. Never in the history of the world, he says, never in the history of the world, Pharisees, has a man like me, blind from birth, been healed. It's not happened until today. If this Jesus, if He wasn't from God, He could not have done this. Mic drop. You know, I mean, what can they say? The argument is over. They lost, and so they do the only thing left that they can do. Verse thirty-four. They say, "Are you trying to teach us?" And they expelled him from the synagogue. News travels back to Jesus, and Jesus sets out to find this formerly blind man, and Jesus encounters him finally and says, Hey, do you believe in the Son of Man? The blind man says, Son of what? I I don't even know what that means. And Jesus says, Oh, you've seen him. It's me. And at this, verse 38, the blind man, formerly blind, says, Yes, Lord, I believe. And John records that the blind man began to worship Jesus. Mm. Jesus then says, I came into this world to give sight to the blind and to show those who think... They can see that they are blind. And there were a few Pharisees standing nearby this conversation, and they interject, Hey, wait a second. Are you trying to say that we're blind? And Jesus said, Oh, no, I'm not saying that you were blind. If you were blind, you would be without guilt. But you walk around around pretending that you can see so much packed into this story in John chapter 9. And I just want to finish this morning with a few words. The first is a word about faith. A word about faith. And it is this. Faith is a journey. Faith is a journey. There is a, there's a progression. Faith is alive. Faith is uh, organic faith is on the move it, it grows in spurts and not always in the same direction it goes up, it goes down it's, it's dynamic, it struggles, it matures and we see that in this story just in this one story you see how dynamic faith is because it kind of starts out there in verse 12 and verse 25 with this man respected to Jesus he says, I don't know where is Jesus? Say, I don't know is Jesus a sinner? Verse 25, I don't know. And then this, verse 17. What's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. Faith is beginning to bud. It's beginning to blossom. Jesus is has come through for him. And he, through his own experience and thinking about that experience and everything else he's heard about Jesus, is coming to believe in Jesus. There's a real connection between this man from Nazareth and God. There's no denying that. And then later on, verse 36, he says, I want to believe. There it is. There it is. I want to believe. This is not a man refusing to believe. This is a man open, searching for belief. The Pharisees had decided they would not believe. They had pre-decided that. This guy wants to believe. And so verse 38 by the end. Yes, Lord. I believe. Even in this story, there's this progression. Um, Faith doesn't always grow in the same direction necessarily. It's not a straight line sort of thing. Faith is not on or off. It's not either or or. Faith and doubt, by the way... Faith and doubt are partners. Faith and doubt work together. That's a word about faith. There's a word to leaders in the story. Here's the word to leaders. You've got one job. Get them to Jesus. You've got one job. Get them to Jesus. I mean these, we're we're watching religious leaders at work in John chapter 9. They know the Bible. The Hebrew Tanakh, they know it frontwards, they know it backwards. They and everyone else has been waiting for the Messiah, searching for signs that the Messiah is coming. And everybody believed at that time period that it would be any minute now. They were ready. The anointed one is going to come any moment. And even in this episode, the healing of a blind man... They won't believe. And by the way, the healing of the blind, if you go to the Old Testament, that was one of the signs that would accompany the Messiah. Check out the great prophet Isaiah, chapter 42. He says, you will be a light, a guide to the nations. You will open, Messiah, you will open the eyes of the blind. You will free the captives from prison, releasing those who sit in dark dungeons. So here we go. The promise... The Messiah is standing right in front of them. If a religious leader in the first century had any job, it was this. Point to the Messiah. Show people the Messiah. But as we've seen, the Pharisees are pronouncers, defenders of dogma. And now in their defense, I think they had generally noble intentions. I do. It's just that they wouldn't back down one inch from these convictions they held on to. They enjoyed being right too much. They loved the truth. Wait a second. The truth, Gordon, the truth is a good, yeah, it is a good thing. But the truth is more than a thing. The truth is a person. They couldn't see the truth standing right in front of them. John 14, verse 6, Jesus proclaims, I'm the way. I'm the truth. And the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Again, you had one job. Pointed to Jesus. The embodiment of truth. And we still have one job. Get people to Jesus. Now, rewind back to the very first chapter of John. John is going to tell us something very important in John 1, verse 17. And I want you to read this with me. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Let's read that again. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Don't forget the and. It is easy, and I mean this, it is, I would say it's far easier to be a grace or truth person. Some people are more into grace. They're just loving on people, showing compassion. Never say the hard thing, though. Never preach the hard truth. Or give the difficult counsel to somebody. Don't, don't say anything that makes people uncomfortable. Just, just be all about grace. Other people are truthers. <laughs> I mean, they tell it like it is, man. They go around pronouncing. They're not afraid to alienate or offend. They may even like it a little bit. Hey, I'm just doing my job, you know. But according to John 1.17, Jesus isn't a grace or truth messiah he is a grace and truth messiah and so i need to be as a follower of jesus i need to be a grace and truth disciple not grace or truth disciple and so to get people to jesus means extending grace it means telling truth to people be a grace and truth disciple By the way, we're blessed here with a group of shepherds who are grace and truth shepherds who don't just easily lean one way or the other, but struggle with grace and truth, struggle to find Jesus in different situations that they deal with. And I'm grateful for that. Finally, so many questions in this text. We'll wrap up here. So many questions. A word to searchers. The most important question, this is spiritually speaking, the most important question is the who question. It is the who question. In John 9, you've got, I counted this up this week, four why questions. You've got seven how questions and there are a dozen who questions. As the old adage goes, it's not so much what you know, it's who you know, as it turns out. And the disciples, at the beginning of chapter 9, they, are, they get hung up, right, on the why question. They have, why is this man suffering? Why was he born blind? Did he sin? Did his parents sin? And why questions, they can be pointless, sometimes even poisonous. Why does he have AIDS? Must have done something terrible. Must be an awful person. Why did her house blow down in the hurricane or the tornado? Uh, Must have had it coming. Why is this family living in poverty? Must be their bad choices. Must be low character. Why questions... Let's just put it this way, Um, it's not wrong to have your why questions, but the wise disciple doesn't always need to ask why. So there are why questions in chapter 9, there are how questions in chapter 9, how, verse 10, were your eyes open, how, verse 16, is it that now he can see, but there's a better question, it's the who question. The blind man asks this question in verse 36. Who is this son of man? Who is he, sir? Verse 37. You have seen him and he is speaking to you. The who in the middle of this story is Jesus. Is Jesus... The who in the middle of your story. Faith, by its nature, is not simply a set of static doctrines or beliefs, not a factual certainty. Faith is a relationship with a who, with the Christ, with the Savior. And if you would like to move forward in your relationship with Jesus this morning, whatever step that is, we would encourage you, we would applaud you to take that step because our mission mission is to get you to Jesus. If you need to confess His name this morning and repent, be baptized into Jesus, we would love to assist you with that. Maybe you need to bring your own difficulty or problem, something that you're wrestling with in your life right now before the Lord and just encourage you to pray with somebody sitting around you. Put your arm around him and pray and say, hey, could you help me with this? I need to bring this before the Father. Come pray with me or one of our shepherds. Or finally, and this one's kind of tough, but it's a tough text, I think. Maybe I need to just pray my own prayer this morning. God, take away my blindness. I believe in you, Jesus, but I have been blind to this part of your identity or that, or I've been more of a grace person, or I've been more of a truth person, but I want to be a grace and truth person. Help me with that. Let's respond to God as we stand together in worship.